Welcome to After the JAG Corps, Navigating Your Career Progression, a podcast for judge advocates leaving military service. After the JAG Corps assists officers transitioning from the military law practice by learning from individuals who have successfully embarked on new careers, providing insight on rewarding professional opportunities, job search strategies, resumes, the value of your military experience, and more. Now, here is your host, Tom Welsh. Good morning, everybody, and I'm putting the final touches right now at about 6.53 here on Saturday, the 23rd, of my conversation with Joe Strantz. Joe spent 25 years in the Marine Corps and now works for an e-discovery firm, and we're going to hear about his journey from the Marine Corps to Dauntless Discovery. But just a few notes. Um, You will notice a different sound today. I received new AirPods for my birthday and tried to use them for conducting the interview. And there's a couple points where I turned my head or whatnot and the audio did not get captured. So I injected those words. So it's kind of sounds funny, but I wanted to make sure you could follow the conversation. So anyway, just wanted to put that note in there before uh, you listen to this podcast so you can understand why I did that. And also, um, I'm Winchester again on guests, so if you'd like to tell your story, reach out to me via LinkedIn or at afterthejagcore at gmail.com because I need to get some more um, episodes in the bank. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Joe, 20 years in the Marine Corps, is that a good assessment of how long you were in? Because I saw that you sort of started back in 2000, right? I did. I did. So I, uh, I went to officer candidate school in 1998 while I was in law school, then had to finish OCS, then went back to law school, finished law school, and then went to TBS. So a little bit of the math mixed together, but almost 25 years total. Almost 25 years total. And so you punched out when? Just this year, right? July 31st of this year. And uh, your last job was down here at Quantico, the Training and Education Command. But sort of give us an overview of your career, Joe. Sure. So I found myself after attending Roanoke College in Virginia, just a small school in Virginia, wanting to be an athletic director, get into sports administration, continue my love of being on a team. And None of the master's degree programs that I was applying to worked out. So I I figured I would just give law school a try. I didn't go to law school wanting to be a lawyer at all and just felt like I was an opportunity to continue my education. Applied to a variety of different schools and and somehow, despite having grown up in West Virginia and having gone to school in, in Virginia, found myself in Newark, New Jersey at Seton Hall Law School. Quite the experience. Quite the eye-opening introduction, but it was a fantastic three years. Great people, great school, really enjoyed myself. And about midway through my first year, I happened to see a 
an army jag in the lobby of the law school looking for law students to join the jag corps and it intrigued me enough my grandfather was a marine pilot in world war ii and korea my dad was a naval officer my brother was a marine so i went up and with no real interest in joining the military either at that time started speaking with him and one thing led to another and my conversation with him was productive enough and i enjoyed it enough that when i went to think a little bit more about it i went and met with the marine oso and found myself at officer candidate school in quantico so joe joe i gotta ask you what part of west virginia you're from martinsburg uh eastern panhandle moved there my dad transferred into the reserves he was at bethesda for quite a bit of time and when he left active duty and entered into the reserves, we moved to Martinsburg, West Virginia for his job where he worked. And I was eight years old. I considered West Virginia home, stayed there until I, I left for school. I found myself a, a commissioned Marine officer during my third year of law school. And then just from there, went to TBS and, and we were off and running. I guess you've been probably everywhere. You've been uh, overseas a few times. I know we were talking about Germany beforehand, that, but I'm sure you spent some time in the Middle East as well. I did. I did. Started my first assignment was actually in Okinawa and uh, really enjoyed that. And as far as being a, a Marine, pretty much been stationed everywhere except for California and Hawaii. Spent quite a bit of time in North Carolina and a lot of time in the D.C. area as well. I did a tour in, in Frankfurt, Germany with the Marine Corps Embassy Security Group, deployed a few times as well. Enjoyed everywhere that I had been. I really enjoyed North Carolina as well. As a captain, I actually had an assignment at the hospital there, building H1, and it was the, the actual building that I was born in. Oh, wow. Yeah, I remember checking in to go to work at 2nd Marine Division, and, and I had to call my mom and double check. I wanted to make sure if if I was going to be working in the same wing of the hospital that I was born in. So that was fun. That that felt like a, like home as well. Now, Joe, we were talking before I hit record that your decision to retire at the 25-year mark was influenced by your family situation where the kids were happy attending school down there in Fredericksburg. And that was a decision point. And plus, you like being in this area, the Stadford area. So tell us about when you started looking for that exit, what was your plan in retirement? With the three kids, you know, my, my oldest has some special needs. He's in a wheelchair. And as it, having a junior, he's a junior. He's doing great in school. I'm really proud of him. Uh, I've got a freshman now, and I have a seventh grader. And just the, the thought or the idea of, of picking them up when they're so entrenched in school, friends, We've got a bit of a hobby farm here as well that continues to collect animals at the rapid rate. So if there was to be another assignment in my future, it would have been me by myself and was definitely not interested in doing that. I, I enjoy enjoy my kids too much and my wife, of course, and just have a great time here in Stafford. So I knew probably two years out that I just felt like it was time. And plus, as I came through and grew up in the Marine Corps, I also, I didn't want to stay too long. And I had just seen a few examples of, of maybe staying one job too many, one move too many, 
And I just, I felt in my heart like it was time and I'm very comfortable with the decision. So went ahead and did that. As far as what was my exit plan, I really, I, I had made my mind up that I was going to get out of my wife and I had talked about it. And I just had tremendous support from the leadership in the Marine Corps, both inside the, inside the judge advocate community and outside. They, they knew kind of my reasons for wanting to get out. I was focused on my family and I knew that the right decision was to get out, but I really didn't know what that plan was going to be. I, I had a little bit of an idea because of a, a friend of mine from from Roanoke College, and, and I can get to that in a minute. But all I really wanted for my next job was I wanted to join a good good group of people who were really good at what they at what they did, and that was pretty much it. I spent a lot of time listening to your podcast, and and there are a lot of people who really spend a lot of time really trying to narrow down, like you know, what do I want to do. I've never been like that. I didn't really want to be a lawyer when I joined the Marine Corps. I just wanted to be on a good team. And kind of yeah. that's what that's what my focus area was, was I wanted to join a good team and I wanted to join a team that was really good at what they did because um, I uh, didn't have any particular, you know, focused practice area that I was interested in and in, in transitioning to a GS job or anything like that. So I just wanted to join a good group of people who enjoyed enjoyed working together. And I think that's what I found. This is a point where one of my questions didn't make it into the recording. I asked him, you did a lot of SJA jobs, did you not? Absolutely. So I, very, very little military justice background at all. Not a military justice practitioner at all. When I came in, it was 2000. And then the wars kicked off had multiple deployment opportunities, went from being a deputy SJA, had the opportunity to work at then MSG Battalion, the Marine Security Guard Battalion. That was a great opportunity. Had the chance to work at the Army JAG School in the Center for Law and Military Operations as the Marine representative there. That was fantastic. And then I went to headquarters Marine Corps and worked in the International and Operational Law Branch. And then all the assignments after that have been SJA jobs with a, a little break for a, a command opportunity as well. So uh, with the exception of being the OIC of the Victims Legal Counsel Organization, I really never had a job that had its priority focused on on the practice of, of military law or military justice. Yeah, and I'm, I'm asking this because I just had a conversation with a guy that I was connected with through a former guest. He's not a lawyer and he works for a major defense contractor. And, you know, and he was saying, hey, listen, you know, what is it that you want to do? He said, what is it that you want to do? What is it you think you want to do? And what can you do? And he asked those three questions. I said, well, you know, I think I'm most suited for for investigations and ethics and compliance, you know, for example. And he said, well, you know, understand that out here, it's a very small set lawyers that do that you know we we mostly do a lot of this stuff and he's a he has some contract positions to advertise he says we mostly the operators do this stuff you know we go to legal when we need help but basically it was opening my eyes of you know in the military a lot of things are called legal because well they have some kind of legal connotation to it but we give them to the lawyers because you're not going to give them to your you know your g1 or your g3 and so that sparked something when you were saying, okay, I just wanted to go be part of a good team. So 
how is it that you identified the teams that you were interested in and what was your selling point to get on those teams? Yeah, my journey and my arrival to the Dauntless Discovery actually started in 1991 in <laughs> accounting two class at Roanoke College when I was sitting next to someone who has eventually, you know, become one of my best friends for the past 30 years. And, and he was just as lost in accounting class as I was. So we, we immediately bonded over that and have been great friends ever since. And I watched him sort of progress through his career, his growth, his family issues, and we remained in touch. And he went to work for Dauntless Discovery several years ago. And even before that, he had always said when he was in a different practice area, he had always said, and we had always talked about like, hey, someday we're going to we're going to team up. We're going to work together. You know, right around when I got to the 20 year mark, we started talking about it a little more, not seriously, but he because he never wanted to be the reason why I got out of the Marine Corps. But as it started to become more real that there was going to be an end to this awesome journey. We started talking some more and he made the introductions for me to meet the leadership at the organization. And that's what I did. So I did it in plenty of time. It was a relaxed conversation with them. I was looking for a very, very good team of great people. And, you know, my friend, I would be happy to go pick up garbage with him on the side of the road and would have a great time. I mean, that was kind of what I wanted to do. I knew Part of what made the Marine Corps so natural for me and so welcoming was just my, my emphasis on teams. I, I've been a basketball player in college, and I when I was out of Roanoke College and in law school in Newark, New Jersey, I really, really missed being on a team. I think I would have been just as happy in the Marine Corps as a logistics officer as I was a lawyer because I just wanted to be had that teammate and that friendship and that bond with people. So my sole focus for what was I going to do was good team who were good at what they good at what they did. And I also, of course, didn't want to move. And the way that this company is set up is, you know, I was going to be able to primarily work from home with travel, but the travel was going to be, you know, as I and as the company needed. And it's pretty flexible schedule. So I started having conversations with the team. I wanted to join a good team and they wanted similarly, they wanted and needed a good teammate. They certainly did not hire me because of my skills in the field of e-discovery, managed reviews, data breach incident response, which is what we do, because I had no experience in that at all. In fact, I told them during the interview, you know, I'm not going to tell you too much about how the Marine Corps does e-discovery, because if I did, you know, you'd send me away. And I certainly as well with what with what I am doing, which is business development. I never would have never would have thought in in a hundred years that I'd be doing business development for an e-discovery vendor. But here I am. They're training me. I'm learning a lot from the the clients that we're offering services to. I'm meeting as many people as I can as quickly as I can. It's only been a few months, but primarily I wanted I wanted to join a good team, and they wanted to hire a good teammate. And I think that's that's why we've hit it off so well. Yeah. Now you said this was boring. You had a networking link you were able to take advantage of. But as you started getting in discussions about this position, I mean, did, was it a matter of, hey, we're going to get you aboard in some capacity, or was it a specific job that you applied for? No. Once I had met the leadership, once I had met the CEO, 
I had been going through a 30-year interview with a president in the organization, so he knew exactly what he was going to get with me. They knew that there was going to be a home for me and that they were going to find a good fit for me, and I was confident in that as well. And just as the conversation matured and as they kind of met me some more, learned some more, understood a little bit more about me, and I spoke with them, um, they just put me in the role as vice president of business development. Again, something I've never done, but the organization is, we did, we would describe ourselves as a mid-sized, privately owned e-discovery services vendor, vendor, but the organization's small enough to where I've got access to all the leadership. So there's a lot of conversations going on with me and with them that go beyond just the traditional business development. And I think any any military officer or judge advocate who's been around long enough is going to find opportunities to contribute beyond just what their billet description might be or what their portfolio might be. So I'm excited. It's only been a few months. Like I said, I'm continuing to be trained. I'm continuing to meet with clients, find out how we can help them. And I'm real excited about it because I, I think, like I said, I think I did find a good group of professionals that are really good at, at what they do. So business development, what does that work entail? I mean, it sounds like it's entailing that to me when you describe it, it sounds like it's finding new clients, finding new areas to expand your company's practice. Is that pretty much it or is it something else? No, that's that's exactly right. I mean, there's there's a varying sizes of firms out there that do exactly what we do. So the services are needed. A lot of the the law firms, the corporations, the, the enterprises that need our services, they're utilizing other companies right now. Many of them are are larger than we are, perhaps. So we, we fill a niche of of trying to be what I would describe as as being very Marine Corps like. They are intentionally mid-sized, proud of that, and it allows, I think, allows for us to provide very responsive services to firms, companies, organizations, corporations. Anybody that would need us is going to have quick and direct immediate access to, to the leadership. So we're really as small as we need to be, but we can surge the actual reviewers, the contract attorneys that are actually doing the document review we can surge as many as we need in order to handle any size project. It's funny that we're talking about this because I was looking at LinkedIn today jobs, see what was out there. And there was one for firms doing discovery requests and saying, you know, these are on a rolling basis. The The resumes continue. And it made me think back to a, another Navy Jag who, when he got out back in the late 90s, he took on a temporary job with AOL Time Warner merger reviewing documents. And now he's a rather successful defense attorney out in California, military justice and civilian. But there are those jobs. And I had asked you, or I made the point about you doing SJA work because, you know, I was kind of intrigued. You didn't have a lot of trial time, but you're doing e-discovery. Granted, it's business development, but it seemed like there was a disconnect going into this conversation. No, there, there sure is. And I, I openly <laughs> admit that. One of the things that I'm noticing, a, a, a bit of a challenge for those that, that are going to work from the comfort of their, of their home, especially when you're trying to learn a new practice area, is the founders of Dauntless Discovery and the, the core group of leaders, they've been in this practice area for 20 years. These guys that founded Dauntless worked for a, a very large firm in Philly 
doing this particular practice area. They got really, really good at it for that particular large firm and decided to go ahead and say, hey, we can do this as well on our own. And so that's what they did. They picked up, took some people with them, and they've been together since 2016 doing very well at a a much softer price point than perhaps a big firm. Not all firms do their have their own in-house e-discovery practice area. So for all those firms that don't, we're here for them. Even the ones that do can often find themselves in situations where they need some outside vendor assistance as well. So we're here for them as well. So when I joined the team and now I'm trying to get my, my feet under me and learning this practice area over here with Dauntless, I've got guys that have been doing this for 20 years. I'm never going to catch them. I'm never going to be that practicing attorney at a firm that actually was doing e-discovery for a big law firm. And then over on, on the other side are the clients, the opportunities for me to introduce Dauntless to. Now, I'm very confident in what Dauntless does simply because I trust the leadership team. And I'm, I've, I've been watching them since 2016 when I've watched my friends succeed, thrive. And the fact that the core team is still together as well was very important to me. I mean, yeah. everybody, everybody that left the big firm in Philly, they're all still together and they're all doing very well. And you can tell when at staff meetings, when you're, when you're together, when you're on the phone, you can tell when people click and when they work well. And this team does. But then I've got the clients on the other side, and I don't really know at this point, after only three months, I don't know what their challenges are either. That's where I'm spending most of my time talking and learning, you know, how can we help? Because when I do make that introduction, because I trust the Dauntless team, I can make that introduction with confidence and I feel comfortable about it because I really never, I, I like I said, I, I was a little... I don't want to say taken aback, but I never, ever want to feel like I'm selling anybody these steak knives. No offense to steak knife salesmen everywhere. But I, I want to be sure that, especially if someone that I'm introducing them to is a friend of mine or a peer or someone that I've known for a long time who has a need for the service, I'm able to introduce them to the company with confidence. And they know because we're small enough and that we're going to be responsive enough that if anything ever would go wrong or that they need anything, they know that I'm going to be here for them and that that I'm going to take action to make sure that everything's okay. So I am a 51-year-old second lieutenant with great leaders and experienced leaders on both sides. And uh, I'm just doing the best I can to, to hopefully, you know, contribute, make the introductions and, and see where it goes. So Joe, is, where's Dauntless based out of? Is it based out of this area or is it somewhere else? It's headquartered in Raleigh, North Carolina. When they left and, and and started the business, it was an actual review center in Raleigh and a review center in Philly. And when I went for my initial interview, I went in and it was a, a large warehouse with just dozens and dozens of computers. And there was nobody in the building. The reason was, was because COVID had occurred and you could no longer have lawyers sitting shoulder to shoulder doing review work. And so that review center still exists. But when COVID hit, they made great effort to basically get everybody out safely and put the systems in place that would allow everyone to do the work remotely. And so the headquarters remains in Raleigh. 
and we we still have the review center there. But the contract reviewers, all of whom are attorneys, are doing the work from wherever it is they are. There's about 80, 60 to 80 full-time employees and executives, and then anywhere between 800 and 2,000 attorneys doing reviews for whatever reasons. Perhaps, like your friend had mentioned, he did a short-time gig to review. It's good, solid legal work. I actually wish I had known more about Dauntless Discovery when I was working at Headquarters Marine Corps, because we had multiple instances of spouses who were married to active duty service members who were attorneys who were actively seeking to remain plugged into the legal field and looking for good quality legal work to be done. And, I, you know, Dauntless Discovery would have been a great opportunity for them because it can be done from anywhere. There are several veterans employed by Dauntless. There's a retired lieutenant colonel project manager who lives in Kentucky and is doing a great job for the company. There's some contract attorneys who, you know, great schedule freedom. I think it's a great opportunity and one that I certainly didn't know anything about, you know, even prior to watching my friend make the journey back in 2016. Yeah. So you've just given me some more questions to ask you. First, what has it been like working remotely, getting into a new culture, a new job, a new role? How have you been able to accomplish that in your job being remote like you are? Okay. So as you've done in in all your podcasts, I had that written down because I knew at some point you were going to ask me, is there anything else that I wanted to say? I was so desperate to get off of Interstate 95 and be left alone that when I found out that I was going to have the ability to work from home, I was so excited. But I really underestimated how important it is to be able to work with people. I knew that it was going to be important, but it is especially important when you're trying to learn a new practice area. The business development piece of it, I was going to, I'm just going to have to figure it out on my own. I'm going to have to figure out how to, you know, form those relationships with others on my own. But trying to learn the field of e-discovery and all that goes into it is difficult when you can't eavesdrop. I spent 25 years eavesdropping on great, great officers and learning from great, great officers and, and enlisted uh, Marines. You don't have that when you're sitting you know, in your office above your garage. You can only be plugged in or called in or linked in with so many phone calls, but it's not the same as sitting in a cubicle next to somebody or sitting in an office next to somebody where you can really learn. So, so it's, it's going slowly, and I recognize that. But like I said, it's a great team. Uh, it's just forcing me to reach out to them a little more than maybe I'm accustomed to. That's been a real adjustment for me, working from home. So the other part that you've got my interest of is the the contract attorneys, people that are doing the review. I assume that you have attorneys doing it for a variety of reasons, people that are looking for their next full-time gig, people who just want to sort of have the freedom of without having a practice. I mean, how hard is it to get on with Dauntless if someone's listening to this and saying, hey, I've got a spouse that is you know, an attorney, but not able to use his skills, him or her, or you have a transitioning jag out there thinking, Hey, maybe this is something I do while I'm figuring out what I really want to do. Yeah. I'd love to talk to him about it. You know, have them call. It's definitely, it's actually something that, that the leadership at Dauntless values. I feel very appreciated 
you know, everybody at Dauntless has gone out of their way to, to welcome me. Everybody knows that I uh, have been an active duty service member for 25 years and, and it's been nothing but a welcoming environment. Like I said, there's a project manager who's a retired Lieutenant Colonel Jag. I've spoken to about six others who, you know, just as you mentioned, for a variety of reasons, wanted to stay plugged in, had retired, wanted to just make a little bit of money. Everybody had their different reason for wanting to work for Dauntless, but um, yeah, happy to talk about it. Happy to link them up with the the HR team and and walk them through and tell them, you know, everything that I possibly can. So it sounds like you guys always have a continuous need for folks, especially as you're trying to grow the business, it sounds like. Absolutely. Yeah, there's uh, about once a week, they'll send an updated email out and Dauntless is constantly onboarding individuals. I reached out to Judge Advocate Association a few months ago, right when I came on, made sure that they had all my information, let them know where I was going and what I was doing. So you've interviewed so many wonderful people that that have been willing to talk, share stories. Yeah, I've got a long list of them here. I've reached out to almost every single person that you've interviewed because every single person has said, call me, call me, call me. I'm here to help. I'm going to continue the tradition and, and be one of those guests of yours because I have I've done that. And I've got a list here of at least 10 people who, after hearing your podcast, I reached out to them, called them, and they've been willing to talk. Because really, too, for your podcast, Tom, I really wanted to thank you for doing them. Even though I knew I had a job and, you know, a lot of the people listening to your podcast might be listening to it because they really aren't certain about what they're going to do and wanted to hear other people's stories. Your podcast has has been a very reassuring thing for me, even with a job, just hearing the almost 90, probably over 90 now guests that you've had that everybody's different journey has been really reassuring to know that that there's many different paths out there and that there's many different people out there who are willing to help. So I'm certainly, whether it's someone that just wants to call to chat or get reconnected or somebody that wants to call and ask about, you know, opportunities at Dauntless, happy to do any. Well, Joe, actually you will be the 90th guest when we release this over 22,000 listens. So it's got some traction out there. This was another point where the, uh, Audio didn't get picked up, but I was asking Joe for his final salvo of any points that he wanted to make. You know, I think just two things, very, very specific is, as you can see, you know, the, the guests can't see it, but there's nothing on my wall right now. And I, I bring I bring that up because I have about 20 things on my to-do list that I could have and should have done a year ago that I didn't do, whether it's just get your office ready instead of having a bunch of boxes around your office. Get your LinkedIn profile built. Get your, I don't want to say network. I can't use the word network because Ian Brazier during his interview with you said, you're not allowed to say network. You have to say relationships. That's going back a while, referring to my Ian Brazier conversation. No, I'm telling you, when I was exchanging notes with you, I was serious. I have binge listened to the podcast. I'm down to, I'm going backwards. So every time you interview someone new, I have to listen to that. But I'm, I'm working my way down. I'm on episode number 15. So I have, uh, I have just a few more to go. I was going to try to listen to them all before I, I agreed to do this interview. But I, you wore me down. 
you know, I knew I was getting out. I had the support of the Marine Corps leadership. I My commanding general was fantastic. I had my office was great. The team that I was working for knew and they certainly, you know, th- there's there's only one thing worse than working for a Marine colonel and that's working for a Marine colonel who's retiring. They were amazing. So I had the time to do it. You know, one thing led to another and you get busier and busier and busier and then you're planning your retirement ceremony. So I have about 10 things on my list for both my family and myself that I should have done. And so for anybody that has the luxury of knowing that you're getting out is is just try not to procrastinate with the little things. You may think you're going to have time. You may think you're going to have time in retirement to do them. You don't. And the only other thing I would have done is is I, I I would have probably not tried to retire during the summer with the kids home. And and if I did, I would have I would have probably baked in a couple more weeks or even months of of some vacation. And they were great. I wanted to start right away. I didn't want to take any time off. So when they asked you a year ago, hey, when can you start? You know, I was very fortunate and had the luxury to say, well, heck, I'll start right away. Well, I, I, I agreed to start basically right in the middle of the summer. And uh, mm-hmm. when you answer when you answer that question a year in advance, it seems easy and it makes sense. But when you're in the middle of the summer, it, it gets a little challenging. But but again, I, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining there because I was super fortunate to have everything lined up. But I, uh, I think both of those little things are just examples that. Uh, it's a whirlwind. You're gonna you're gonna be yeah. real busy, and there is really no such thing as as retirement. It's just hey, I'm out. I'm out doing something else now. Yeah, you know, and Joe, this is a, a motivating, inspirational story because everybody wants that soft landing, and and very happy that you got it. I mean, in your sense, you know, it was it was built on a relationship, not networking. It was built on a relationship. It's something that you explored over several years, but you know that. This is somebody we want to bring on board. We will find a not create a job out of, you know, just to have you on the payroll, but somewhere where you can contribute, figuring out what your talents are and to have that comfort, knowing that I'm going to hang up my uniform and go work over here. That is what everybody wants. And, you know, that was my goal. I had selectively applied for some jobs. They didn't turn out. I'm now on terminal leave. I feel like I'm in crunch time. Things will turn out. It's just you got to have the confidence and just keep plugging away. And you're right. I think <laughs> I've been going to work since July 28th, and I'm busy. And you know, and I'm using this time to get things done. But I'm ready to go back to work and and bring in you know another paycheck for the family. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So it's it's been good and. And like I said, Tom, I really appreciate you doing this. Like you said, 22,000 people have heard, you, you know, or downloads or views or, or listens. They, they've heard 22,000 stories out there. And, and I can yep. tell you, it's been real reassuring to me. And I, I hope you find that really good job that fulfills you. But I, I hope they leave you enough hours to keep doing it, because I think what you're doing is really important. I'm thankful to have had the opportunity to maybe just share one or two stories. Well, I'm glad that you found it useful. I'm glad that you have taken advantage of those offers. And I know other people that have done it, that have connected. 
I mean, we really have such an incredible firm when you put all the services together, which means we've put a lot of people out of out of the military into the civilian world. There are 22,000 different stories, and there's all these individuals out there that we really need to build these relationships. So I'm glad you did it, and I'm glad you're willing to do it for others who might be listening to this. Great, Tom. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe and tell your friends. After the Jag Corps is a TJW 50 Associates LLC production.